to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello, welcome to episode 131 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Stuart McFall. Stuart, thank you for joining us on what is a, a hugely interesting show. We're going to do a review of 2019. Um, you are joining from the Isle of Manx. How is Isle of Manx on this 29th of December? Cold? Wet? Windy? Yeah, man. Yeah, all, all of the above. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it, as always. Yeah, the Isle of Man is cold and gloomy. It looks as ever like, um, I don't know, a fucking shithouse, Wuthering Heights out there. It's uh, Heathcliff will be calling from the moors any time now. Yeah, every time I say I quite like the idea of moving to Isle of Man, she always tell me, like, don't come over. Like, I only saw it in the summer, and it was a really nice summer I would come over and see it. Um, you see the, the winters are a little bit... They sort out people who actually want to be there and people who just come over for the nice weather. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not like in Glasgow where it's just perpetual rain. It's 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 tumultuous wind and yeah. biting cold here. It's proper weather. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a fucking force. <laughs> yeah. It's for about nine months. Um, and occasionally we get a summer. We literally haven't had a summer anywhere near as good as the time you guys came. That was... Uh, it was completely incongruous to what normally takes place over here, so you guys looked out. <laughs> you got the one good summer of it in about ten years. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. We'll be grateful for that summer. Um, are you drinking anything tonight? I have. I've got a nice glass of red yeah. uh, accompanying me tonight, which yeah. I'm letting the side down with the branding of the pod, I apologise. You are, and that's such a Tory move now to have wine around here. <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. I've been breaking it. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Now, come on. You, you, you Brexit. You Brexit is about. Isle Man Brexit is about, what, 900 years ago and you've never really joined again, so. It's true. It's I'm true. wearing a Boris uh, wig as we speak. <laughs> um, I'm not doing much better because I'm not feeling that great, so I'm on lemonade, so we're both kind of letting the side down. At least you're semi alcoholic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but what we'll do, we'll start with as normal. We'll start with the. Mike on Mike report, the final Camel Laird review of 2019. I know you're <laughs> itching to know what happens with the Camel Lairds. Um, who I'm going to I see? Am. I am going to see them in February uh, 29th. I'm very excited to go and see them. Um, but they played two games since we last were on Mike. Um, one was against a team called Abbey Hay. I don't know if you know who this right. team are. No idea. No, no. Um, they lost <laughs> two. They lost 2-1, but our man Furlong did play in the game. Um, I don't know much about the game other than that. Um, I know they played, a, they played a game on Boxing Day, such as a tradition um, in England, which is weird. It's England, England's tradition to play on Boxing Day. Scotland don't play on Boxing Day, do they? No. No, we did. No, we did. Did they no, play we did. this year? Yeah, yeah, no, we do. Yeah. Oh, do yeah. I, mean, I, I, I thought we'd be playing a bit later. I know it's always an English thing, they always play on Boxing Day. Um, but on Boxing Day, they played a team called Vauxhall Motors, which is um, obviously a team who hail from the Vauxhall plant, which is where all these teams kind of come from, like, industry and um, that's apparently the local derby in this league and right. um, it's called i want to say the m25 derby it's not the m25 the m25 down south isn't it it's like sort of down london isn't it i have no idea yeah probably they, I should they, they call it something like the m something derby um and camel is led for most of the game um, but then end up losing 3-2 in the last 10 minutes so a bit gotten by all accounts uh. yeah and as a man who's celebrating a derby win, you know what it's like to lose a derby as well. It's 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 tough, and it's especially oh, if it's, a, it's, it's a kicker, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're yeah. winning the derby for most of the game, and then you kind of let it slip in the last like ten minutes. It can, not good, not uh. good, not good. But we wish the Camelbirds good luck for 2020. Hopefully, they can bump their way up the season, or up the league, um, in the remainder of the season. 
So, what we're going to do is first, because we're not going to do any reviews this week because basically I've not seen that much and there's not really that much out over the Christmas period. It does seem to sort of die down, obviously, because no one's going to the cinema. So we're going to talk about the um, just basically a review of 2019 as a cinematic year. Um, just generally, what do you think of the year so far, cinema and movie-wise? Really good, actually. Really good. I have quite a lot of difficulty with my top ten. Yeah. And I know it's always difficult. There's always going to be good stuff. But yeah. No, man, there was, there's probably five or six films that didn't make it that could have made on any other, any other day. I, if I was in a different frame of mind, I could have probably swapped them. Yeah. Um, and there, but there's been three or four really, really strong films that I think can be you can legitimately claim their masterpieces, which yeah. is, I think, a really good year. What yeah. about yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's like, pretty much what it's been for the last maybe like four or five years. The good when it's good is very good, uh-huh. but there's a lot of sort of very average stuff sort of propping up things. Yes. You know, particularly in the yeah. sort of the blockbuster or, or um, large budget variety. The, yeah. yeah, they seem to sort of they do always still bring in the big big money, but the, the quality of them has diminished quite a lot. So it's been a quite a disappointing realm in, in regards to that. Um, that could be like three three years of films like that with blockbusters, real, isn't it? I mean, yeah, last three, three, maybe even longer. That's all six or seven out of ten at best for blockbusters these days. Isn't uh-huh. it, really, I mean, it says a lot that the when we get to the top, the worldwide top ten, out of the top ten, nine of them are um, either sequels or franchises. Wow, you know, so that it, says so much. Yeah, wow. Um, and I think that's been again. It's always it's been a part of the problem for the last few years. It's just this. There's a the quality isn't there for these. There's some of the quality, some of them in, there is definitely quality there with some of them, but there's a lot of stuff just not very good. But it gets so much exposure, and there's a lot of stuff I think slipped through the cracks of of you know been seen by a lot of people, but that, that was very very good, and um, that never got a, a real look in because of these kind of films. And that's always disappointing to me that, that there's such a a wide, wide gap now between sort of like the top and the the bottom level films, so to speak. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, it's 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 akin to how football's going, really. Yeah, you know, it's it's the same thing. It's uh, it's a marketing machine, which means that the select few uh, are just rampantly ahead of everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just there's no real, you know, the, the top te- the top five teams in the Premier League right now are just eating up all the money and all the time. Even though the fifth teams in the Premier League are just sort of fighting for scraps, essentially, you know, of of off that table, no, that's not even then to say about the teams who are lying in the sort of the Championship or First Division who are just surviving on the scraps of the scraps, and it just feels like that sometimes that there's a lot of good stuff, yeah, that's just not getting it exposure. And I think the way cinema's looking us now with Disney taking over a lot of companies and building up their even bigger arsenal of um, of back catalogue, I don't think we're going to see too many sort of, you know, mid-range movies, it's going to be, it's going to be the big blockbuster, it's going to continue to be the, the main focal point of, of cinema, which is a bit of a shame, well, it used to be the, the blockbuster season, we all knew it was like from maybe end of May through to like end of August, maybe maybe start September, now it pretty much starts in February, you know, and there's, yeah. and there's almost, yeah, yeah. almost one a week until you hit, you know, December, and obviously just with that many, you can't have all been quality, and it's, no. There's a lot that are just not that good, but we'll, we'll, we'll look at the top ten in the worldwide box office. Um, so number ten, um, I think will be Star Wars eventually, but it's only been out for like two weeks, um, yeah. and its numbers haven't quite been as big as we probably hoped for it. I think it's sitting at about six hundred million this now uh, dollars, um, which is not enough to put it in the top ten. But I have no doubt it will hit the top ten in the next 
couple of weeks of like you know of in terms of its budget, in terms of its um, box office. But right now, number ten is a film called Niza, which is a Chinese movie, which is the only non-American movie in the top ten. But apparently, it was massive in China, and obviously, China's got a huge population. And if even half them go and see the film, or even ten percent of them go and see the film, it's going to make a massive, you know, return for its money. Um, the Chinese box office still hasn't made much of an effect anywhere else, but because of the population of China, it will always have a, a major effect in the, in the in the worldwide. But I do I do I do think it will drop it will drop out eventually. But for the time being, it isn't it, it's at number ten. Uh, this was as of the 29th, I think it was of December. I was looking at it. Uh, number nine um, is a film called Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> which mate, which is which is the uh, Niza and Hobbs and Shaw the only two films in the top ten did not cross the billion dollar mark. So Hobbs and Shaw made seven hundred fifty eight million worldwide, <laughs> which oh my God. is uh, I think it's something like the ninth film in the Fast and the Furious franchise, eighth, ninth, tenth, something like that. Um, so again, so uh, <coughs> lots of franchise stuff, and Hobbs and Shaw is continuing on that franchise. Um, number eight in the list is a film that I think shows the problems of these big budget releases that are sort of just market machines. Um, that is Aladdin, which made one point zero five billion. Um, and anyone who's seen that film, I would genuinely think it, it was actually it was a better Disney film than most of the Disney adaptations, which is damning with, with very faint praise to be honest, because most of them I think have been pretty awful. Um, and, it's, and this film is, if you wonder why Guy Ritchie can continue to be allowed to make other films, it's because he can he helms this for one and a half, for over one billion dollars. They're going to give him the keys to do other things. Is it Guy Ritchie? Yeah, yeah, he's done Aladdin. He's always done Aladdin, and then because of that, he's getting to do stuff like The Gentleman and whatever else he's got yeah. in the, the, the dock he at the time. He gets to do what he actually wants to do in yeah. his school of rock, like Linklater. Yeah, yeah, it could be that, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Just, he, this is his ticket into the, the big big league. I should have done something else that was sort of very out of... Did he not do the Sherlock Holmes, one of the Sherlock Holmes? I mean, both the Sherlock Holmes? He did, he did Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. again, that, those films are probably going to make money because of you know the, the power behind them. It had Downey Jr. and all that kind of stuff in it as well, so they're always going to make money. Uh, number seven, uh, surprising one, and probably... I'm going to guess probably the one that's made the most profit out of the um, the entire top ten, and that's Joker, which yeah. made one point zero six two billion dollars. I don't think it cost that. I think it was only about the 50, 50 or sixty million dollar mark for um for budget. Wow. So that's like the dead. That's, um, uh, uh, that, that's just a testament to the iconography of that character, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think also it's it was. I mean. It may only cost fifty million to make, but they marketed the fuck out of that film. You know that that film was marketed oh. within an inch of its life to make sure you knew it was going to work. Yeah, oh god, yeah, they poured it out and fucked it. Yeah, yeah, so it was. It wasn't. It wasn't like some little sleeper hit that just came from nowhere. It, it had a yeah, lot of money behind it. You know, it, had, it still had Warner yeah, Bros. Yeah. money behind it. Um, but yeah, so it's one point zero six two billion. Number six on the list. I put the wrong film down, but I think it's. It shouldn't be this film. It is this film. It's Toy Story Four. Yeah, I put Toy Story 2 for some reason, but that was out a long time ago. Um, so Toy Story 4, which has made uh, 1.073 billion. Again, I think again, what you think we thought about just like a minutes ago, it's just it wasn't that great a Toy Story film. It wasn't even that great of an animation film, but recognized. Yeah, just recognizable IP. People go and see it because they know it. You know, they don't want to take yeah. a risk on anything else. Um, Number five is 
at 1.21 billion. I think it's going to go up because I think don't think it's been released all over the world yet. But that's Frozen Two. Oh yeah, that will go higher. Yeah, it'll probably go a bit higher. I think I think it will eventually. will take the next film. Let's Frozen Two again. You you would expect <laughs> that kind of film to make massive money because it's the first one was a like gargantuan hit. Um, number four, just slightly ahead of it, is Captain Marvel at 1.28 billion. Yeah, again, like that film. Um, surprised it done so yeah, much money. I didn't really expect it to do that yeah. much money. No, me neither. No, you that's know, cool. that's good for it. Um, number three is Spider Man Far From Home, which done 1.3 billion. Right. Which, yeah. again, what noticing that none of these films make me go, oh, yeah, I can, I can understand that. That's like an amazing film, and I totally would put it in one of the greatest films of the year, but it's just, it's recognisable IP again, obviously. Um, yeah. Number two was The Lion King at 1.65 billion, the CGI remake of The Lion King. Um, this is a really depressing list. It's a very, <laughs> one way top ten is a very depressing list, isn't it? Because like, you just kind of look and go, I mean, some of the films, I mean, like, Joker's an alright film. I wasn't, I wasn't quite as big a fan as some people were of it, but I, I enjoyed it mostly. Captain Marvel I enjoyed mostly. Spider-Man Far From Home I enjoyed a lot. Well, I just I don't think it's worth that kind of money. But then again, it's I think because the cinema is so expensive to go to, if you can only afford to go and see a couple of films a year because it can cost you thirty quid, you know, for, for like two people yeah. to go, you're going to pick up. You're almost going to pick a surefire hit. You're not going to go for that sort of odd indie film that people say, oh, it's really good. If you like it and embrace it, you're going to enjoy it. They're going to go and that's for what those. That's why those films find their way onto streaming services. Yeah, now, isn't it? but yeah. there is something to be said. I've seen those films in the big screen. Totally. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, and number one this year on this list, I think it's no surprise to anyone, is the Avengers Endgame, which rocks in at two point seven nine billion. <whistles> Pretty much Liverpool in it. Wow. Um, over the worldwide top ten right now, just absolutely decimated it. And I get it. You know, it's the end. What's the kind of end point of a what a twenty odd film run? You know, it was always going to make massive money. Um, and it was good. It was enjoyable. It's fun blockbuster yeah. entertainment, so it makes total sense it would make that kind of money. Um, but it's it's amazing how far ahead of it it is. Um, it is. Um, yeah. But yes, that's that's what a way top ten. I think what you said there is it's a pretty depressing top ten for some in terms of, yeah. um, you know, originality. Yes, it's it, it, it certainly it's it's disheartening for. It sounds pretentious, but as, as as film fans, this is just very. This is a this is a non-film fans. This is what it's determining. It's determining people who go to the cinema in their droves. It's the films that have that have uh, latched on by people who aren't necessarily big cinephiles. Yeah, very much agree. Um, I will say four of these four of this top ten made it into our our um, three beers top ten. Okay. So four out of six. I guess it's not too bad. You know, because like, I think at heart we also are fans. We, we enjoy, you know, big budget cinema as well. As oh, much yeah, as, totally. You know, yeah, like we, we watched Avengers together opening night, and that was, I'll never forget that. You know, that was, it was like I said to you at the time, it was like being a Glastonbury. It was a proper event. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very exciting thing. I've never felt like that going to the cinema before. So that was. That was, there was magic in the air that night, so that that's I can I can understand that entirely. But then things like Lion King, oh, it's just yeah. absolute middling, unoriginal mediocrity, just saddens me. But I understand it. Um, but yeah. <coughs> Jealous coughing. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Lion King is what I think is probably the worst or the best example of this, the sadness of this list because there is nothing new in the Lion King. It is, a, it is yeah. at times an almost shot for shot remake of the original. And part of me just goes, why don't you show the original again? That's because there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the original. The original is like, it's a well, yeah. it's a great film. Remaster it. Yeah, Whatever. do something. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, yeah. having John Oliver play Yazoo doesn't make it any better. No. You know? And the one Beyonce song on it, which is there purely because the, the, the usual, the. The original song category also is so so weak. Beyonce will win it, and that everyone just wants Beyonce to win an Oscar. That's essentially all that song is there for. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it's, it's not a particularly great list. I, I, like I said, I, I would say out of, the t- out of ten, I've only seen nine of the t- nine of the ten films. I enjoyed five of them: Avengers, yeah. Spider-Man, Captain Marvel. Joker to some degree, and even Hobbs and Shaw to some stupid, absolutely stupid level, because it is just yeah. it's ridiculous. It knows what it is. It knows what it is. Yes, what I did, how we research into, and thankfully someone put the list together because I, I had no time or effort to do it. Was have a look at the non-franchise or non-sequelized box office. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So number one in that list is Us. Great. Uh, Amazing. Her- 175 million it's done, which is still a long way short of pretty much everything yeah. else. I think this, this might only be the American box office, so I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, second on that list was uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Um, Hustlers came in third, which is a really quite yeah. good Hustlers. Rocket well, Man came... You'd f- expect Holly- Hollywood to have done better, wouldn't you? That's this, low, this might only be the American box office. Right. So I'm not really sure how much... If you put the worldwide box office, would be I'm only thinking I'm looking, but still, it's still pretty low. I agree, 141 million is pretty, pretty low. But I think maybe again, I can't say what it was due to the release of that. It got a massive release, I think. But maybe yeah. people, maybe people, people were put off by the the running time. You know, it was the a good, length, yeah, the yeah. length of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, remember the you know people were moaning about the length of the Irishman. That was sitting at home watching it. Never mind, you know, sitting in the cinema to watch it. Uh, <laughs> Rocket Man got in at number four. Um, 96 million in America, which again is pretty solid. I think that film deserves a lot more than what it's what it's been getting. Why um, does Bohemian Rhapsody? I know, I know this is. Why did that make like four times that? Why? I I, don't, I, don't, I genuinely think I genuinely think marketing machine. That film was marketed beyond belief. Yeah, and then, then Rocket Man, superior in every way though it is. It is viewed by the public as a cash an identity in. version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, despite the fact I don't, I wouldn't actually class, class Rocketman as a biopic. It's not. It's it's not a biopic in the same way that Freddie Mercury is no. trying to be a biopic. It's, no, no. Rocketman is more of a sort of like it's it's his imagination of his life story in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's loose and ambiguous and it's it's a fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's like Fantasia or something. Yeah. So it's uh, it's um it's. It's it's so whimsical. It's uh, not the standard boring. But then people love a fucking generic biopic. Don't yeah, they, they it, love it. You know, if you look at the, you know, you've almost got um, Wackham Wackham Phoenix to blame for this because um, because of uh, Walk the Line. Walk the Line is sort of now the template for every single musical biopic. Yeah. You look at you if yeah. you watch Ray, if you watch um, Get On Up, if you watch Bohemian Rhapsody, they all follow the exa- almost shot. I mean, I, I think at one point before we went and seen Bohemian Rhapsody, I was talking to people at work and I laid out the film. Almost yeah. scene for scene, 
and it I comes. Did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing. I said I'm not. I, I refuse to go to the cinema to watch this because this is exactly what the story will be. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. And you, and you know because you've seen it ten times now. So yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah, 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 I don't really understand it at all. Um, and I think no. also the ta- what's his name, Taron Egerton plays a far better role than. Um, oh God, yeah, he's like a caricature of himself. Um, Malik, I can't believe you won the Oscar. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's anyway. Stunning. Uh, number five, a film that I really enjoyed and I'm happy it got some love um, is Ford vs. Ferrari or Le Mans 66 if you're over here, which I really like. Yeah, I, yeah, I like I like the look of that. It sounded good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything. I, 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 the time I reviewed it, I said I know shit all about cars or car racing, but I still really enjoyed it. Cool. It's, it's smart guys trying to be smart, and I like that. I like it. Uh, number well, six is. Um, a comedy. Well, if you could hustle as a comedy, I suppose to some degree. But number six is Good Boys, the Seth Rogen oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Which seen wasn't quite as funny as it thought it was, but it was funnier than a lot of kind of studio comedies I've seen in the last few years. Um, number seven is a film like a lot of shit, and, I, and I'm not really sure why. It's a film called Yesterdays. The, oh yeah, with the Richard Curtis one. Richard Curtis, uh, script, Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle yeah. Beatles one. Which I yeah. generally thought had a lot of charm, a lot of love, and I had a lot of kind of time for it. I really enjoyed it. I thought the guy in the lead role was really good. Um, but yeah, it seems. Um, my dad's a big fan of it, and my dad does not like overly schmaltzy stuff. He doesn't really like Richard Curtis. Yeah. Uh, but he kept away saying it was it was a really sweet, lovely film. He liked yeah. it. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a, something that happens in the third act that I think maybe will, will piss off people. Um, if your dad enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good as well. But I can imagine someone yeah, maybe not liking something that happened in the third act. But I thought it was a really good film. I really liked it, and I liked the premise of it. Uh, number eight, it's still it's only just been released, so it's still I think it actually made a lot more than this because it's um, Knives Out, which is shown at sixty seven million. But I think it crossed the hundred million dollar mark a couple of days ago, so it's still it's raking in cash. Um, again, I thought it was probably one of the best films of the year, but still, even compared to you know, it's nowhere near the top ten box office, despite being a great film. No, yeah. and, 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 with a, and with a stellar cast as well. Like a cast who could all get Oscars. Yeah. Which is nuts, and yet a cast who probably got multiple Oscars all between them, and still yeah, yeah. the best they can do is, you know, kind of middling, you know, I mean, 180 million if it makes that in the box office, that's not even enough to justify a sequel, if it was a sequelized film, you know, for example. You know, you couldn't really, yeah. you know, which is really irritating. Right, number is. nine is an animated film called Abominable. Which is all oh, bit, yeah. Which is that any good? I enjoyed it. It's very sweet, very very child orientated. It's not get much for adults, so the boys might enjoy it. Um, but okay. it didn't yeah. have much for you if you're watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, but didn't make that much because again, it's not franchise. It's not. It's not got Disney's yeah. market machine behind it. Yeah. Uh, and number ten was a horror film called Escape Room, which was not very good. All right. Yeah. Okay. So. That was a top ten. If you're looking at non-franchise, non-sequel kind of movies. Wow. I think a much a much better list. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really good films that on on that list as well. Yeah. <laughs> God, they must have flopped. <laughs> what, yeah, I mean, there's there's films that that made onto our top ten list that pretty much did flop at the cinema. Um, and I feel bad for them because I, I hope it doesn't result in a movie director getting into like put into jail for them essentially. You no, know, sort of not been allowed to do yeah. anything else. Been. The guy who directs Aladdin will get a chance to do tons of other stuff, even though 
that, 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 that's a gimme, essentially, you know. Same with like the line. Yeah. I know John Favreau will get a chance, he's made billions, but you know, give him the line king, it's like, oh, come on, he could do that in his sleep, man. Yeah, anyway. To think about it, does he? No. So, on to the three beers top 10, which was a, a wide and varied degree of films were voted for in this. Uh, I think we had a total of like 44 different movies. Oh, that's cool, I like that. That's yeah, good. Um, some completely insane um, suggestions. <laughs> I want to know about the insane ones. Uh, well, Mr. Mackay voted his favourite film of the year was Dora the Explorer. That was his favourite film of the year. There is, and me and him went and seen it, and we both very much enjoyed it, but I would definitely not have it anywhere near my top ten, but I still found it very enjoyable and very fun. Number one. He had it in his number one number one position. Um, someone also voted for Secret Life of Pets 2. Not saying who the person who voted for that is, but she's not sitting two feet away from me right now. I've got a guinea pig. So, yeah, so that, that also made it into the list. But there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of other films like made it in, and we'll probably see some leading emissions later on. Um, but yeah, so there was a really big, wide selection of movies that, that, that um, people voted for, which I was happy to see. We like that. Yeah, I like that. That's good. So, we're going to the list. So number 10 is a film that got a very limited cinema release, but made big balls on Netflix, and that is The Irishman. Wow, so low. So wow. low. Oh. This was your number one, wow. wasn't it? That's my number one, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you give it some love. A couple of people give it some love. Um, it was just enough to creep it in at number ten ahead of Toy Story Four. Amazingly, which was a number eleven film of the. Jesus. Yeah. What? What the fuck is wrong with everyone? Toy Story Four is awful. Because <laughs> people are voting for Dora the Explorer. That's what the problem is. Sporky, um, <laughs> the bastard. Why yeah. isn't he called Sporky? He's a spork. Why is he called Sporky? That's the one. Th- that's that's so odd that you're focused on that. Fucks me up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Irishman. So you voted for number one. Why is it your number one? Um, it's my number one. Obviously, I, I am a bit of a Scorsese fanboy when Scorsese is doing what Scorsese does. Yes. Um, but um, and I, I just think it's such a beautiful. Um, it's almost got like a Terence Malick quality that in there. It's so glacial, but I found it utterly captivating. Unlike a lot of Malick. When Malick's at his worst, it can be um, self-indulgent and meandering. I found it just looked so beautiful. Everything yep. about it, I was, just, I was just captivated by it. I, I wasn't taken out of the film. I was worried about the de-aging. I wasn't taken out of the film. There was only a couple of moments where I was like, okay, it's the movement of the characters. Like, the, There's only one scene, really, that I didn't... I, I thought, oh, shit, they just should have got someone else in. Did he know doing um, the fighting scene? And then the outside, the... Um, the grocery yeah. place and he batters him and he's just like that just looks like an old guy yeah. you know so just get someone else in because he looks like he's is a 90 year old trying to attack him but yeah. apart from that it didn't take me out of the film at all which is testament to it and that's all you want really it's like yeah. a good referee you don't, you don't notice they're there um, but I just thought the dialogue was fantastic I thought it was really funny yeah, yeah, really yeah. funny it was really sweet really fucking sad yeah. like, and, the, and, um, and we both agree on this like the last hour the first two hours it's classic Scorsese. It gives you everything you want. Character development, the confusion of um, having sympathy for these anti-heroes who are pretty despicable, really, but you still have empathy for them. You still like them. You like being in their company. So that's a real conflict, standard classic Scorsese depiction of masculinity and the flaws wherein. 
Um, but the last act is a complete about turn, and I don't really think I've seen anything like that from Scorsese before. It's really, really sobering, really sad. The loneliness that somebody who chooses that um, path undergoes later in life, and it's it's it stays with you afterwards. It's a really haunting image of De Niro at the end. Um, his daughter won't speak to him. He's alone in a residential care home, and he just looks broken and listless and lost. So there's a real... Um, and, and I guess that resonates because this is a bunch of um, mid-70s to 80-year-old film titans, almost like a, a, a love letter to themselves. You know, this is this is where we're at. And it, when you know this is their... This is their, the final time they're going to work together. It just adds an extra weight uh, and an emotive quality to it for me. So but I came away from it absolutely stunned. I didn't find the runtime too long. Um, I wanted to watch it again immediately. So mm. I, that's why The Irishman was my favourite film. Yeah, I mean, I kind of disagree with it. I mean, I, I, I wasn't quite as up on it as you were, mainly because I thought the first two hours felt like Scorsese doing a greatest hits. You know, it felt too much. It felt too much like I'm just sort of. You know, playing the same thing again and again and again. The film is elevated, like you said, by the final hour. The final hour is like almost him showing, going to every person who says, "I love Goodfellas, I want to be a Goodfellas." And goes, "No, you fucking idiot! They, they are not the yeah. heroes of that story. There's, you're not supposed to like them. You know, yeah. you can admire them for some weird way, but you should not come away from that film going, "I want to be Joe Pesci in that film." You know, because he's a psychopath. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so, a, that's a really good point. Matt. It's almost like. He's he's skirted so close to the bone with with the satire that people have embraced Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street and thought of the the worst kind of people have embraced it for cool oh. and they see it as they see it as aspirational yeah. when actually that's not what the point of the film is. So it's all, yeah, that's a really good point yeah. actually, man. That potentially he's saying no, you idiots. This is not yeah. aspirational. This is the reality. It's the same people who are watching like Taxi Driver and going. Like the truck Travis Bickle's a hero in that film, but he's not a hero. You know, he's a pretty sort of like Joker as well. Joker yeah, we we'll, we'll get to that later on. But that's the whole point. The same people who are liking Joker are liking tra- are seeing like sort of either something like the King of Comedy as the De Niro character being the hero of that film. You're going, he might be the main point of the film, but he's not the hero by any stretch of imagination. He's a, a pretty no. sad and pathetic figure that you should not really be loving at any point during it. No. Um, no. I, I'm surprised Irishman wasn't further up because I think everyone who knows who who um, has seen it um, has enjoyed it, has, has thought a lot of it. Although, in fairness, I was talking to people over Christmas dinner this year who were big, sort of, you know, I'd imagine you would pick as a, just a typical, you know, Scorsese Goodfellas fans, said they watched Irishman and didn't enjoy it at all. What? Yeah, just, really? di- just didn't like it at all. They said it was, they found it just, they, I think, obviously... It's- the d- it's more muted. It doesn't have that, and that's why I think I love it more than than those films. Because, well, maybe potentially not more. Um, I think Casino will actually remain my my favourite Scorsese, even more than Goodfellas or Raging Bull. But uh, it's 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 got more in tone with with something like Silence. It's not it's not um, it's not got the glamour or the glitz. There aren't the big scenes. No. It's all dialogue or long wide shots or you know. Um, Sad, somber faces. It's not that there isn't the the rock and roll violence. No, um, which is probably what those people revel in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the Irishman, number ten. Like I said, I, I, okay. fully, fully accepting on the list. I think, I think it's a well deserved to be on the list. 
Um, most of them, some films might come up later on. Uh, number nine, a film that I enjoyed immensely, um, which is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Uh, directed by Chad Stalinsky. Have you seen it yet, John, John Wick Chapter 3? I have. It, it was very close. Um, uh, this was one of the ones that um, was very close to my list. I, I loved it. It gave me everything I wanted from that franchise. I absolutely love it. It's fucking mental. Yep. Um, and it has my favourite line of all the John Wick films. In when he uh, gets thrown uh, <laughs> off a building by McShane. And uh, somebody says, oh, he, he survived. And McShane just wryly and sardonically raises an eyebrow and says, seems improbable. And I just, <laughs> absolutely encapsulate the whole series yeah. in two words. Fucking incredible. And yeah. I, it's so well directed as well. Yes. It's just wonderfully shot. Uh, I've got so much time for it. And it's just bloody good fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's insanely good fun. I'm enjoying in this one, this sort of almost brought in an almost supernatural element to it. What, like almost like comic booky when he goes to like the desert and he's got to try and like talk to like the first assassin and all that kind of stuff. It's it's almost like going like a like a Homer Homer Simpson style like spirit journey. You know, I'm half oh, expect, yeah, yeah, half, yeah, 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 half expecting Johnny yeah. Cash as a fox to turn up and start like guiding them through this. Um, <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. um, um, Ali Berry also. Ali Berry was excellent. Her attack dogs, the whole attack dog scene, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that was that was wonderful. Really good. Yeah, um, yeah. just generally, just a, I think it just—it's taken a world, it's built upon a world, and it just layers and just every now and again, it's just it layers a world and just builds it up more and more and more. You get to see, yep. you get to see him use a, like a horse as a lethal weapon, which I thought was amazing. Um, yeah. The the, the, yes. the fight and the and the knife and <laughs> the knife shop, I thought was one of the best oh, scenes. One of the earliest scenes, yeah, fucking incredible. Yeah, love it. I mean, honestly, I thought for. The, the way it started in the first 25 minutes, I, th- I was watching it going, they cannot continue this at this pace because no. the audience will fucking die because it's so fast yeah. and it's so frenetic. <laughs> it's like the first... It's, twi- so, yeah. it's like Mad Max at the start of uh, Fury Road. It's like yeah. you need to have a calm moment just so we can actually breathe because it's just it's so insane for most of the, the, literally the first 25 yeah. minutes, 30 minutes. It's completely relentless, isn't it? It's so influenced by um, my classic 90s Hong Kong cinema, isn't it? Yeah. It's just so so um visceral and you, you you do need to lie down like, this is like <laughs> yes yeah. the ads keep going up and up but there were times where I'm, I'm just laughing because my i couldn't process I, i'm laughing at violence which obviously suggests i'm, I'm wildly desensitized which is definitely <laughs> true yeah God, but but also i'm just like yes i want more of this yeah give me more but, i'm out of dopamine now yeah, so but, i need to fucking recharge <laughs> Equally, I was thinking when I was watching, going, they cannot keep this pace up for the next. I can't do the films like an hour and forty long, an hour and fifty long. Going, they can't keep going like this for this length of time because it, like it's too much. It's far too much. Yeah. So when he did finally like, sort of like it just slowed down for like a wee half hour. I'm going, it, it, my god, it needed that because it need, and it, that brought something to the film as well. It, it allows the film to, to grow and to build and to give the audience a chance to sort of catch up on what's going on. Um, I thought it was really well paced for that in that respect, you know, and, it, and then it builds yeah, up yeah. to that that fight scene between him and the two guys from the raid, which I thought was fucking amazing as well when he's fighting the two of them in the, the kind of glass room. Oh, yeah, absolutely incredible and funny as well. Yeah, like the dialogue with that dude, yeah, just just so fucking cool. What what was the, you know the guy from I can't remember which one he was. He ended up in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, or Jerome, Ron What uh-huh. was his accent? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I thought at first it was like Slovakian or Polish or something. Yeah, and then by the end I was like, I think he's South African. Yeah, <laughs> he did go a little bit like I like DiCaprio in um, Blood Diamond. Yeah, 
Blood Diamond. Diamond, yeah, he went a bit like that at one point, but yeah. Um, I also wasn't going, he's fighting Robson or Jerome. Like, that's insane. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally over the space of like yeah a week. This is this, this a week in John Wick's life. Such, such an eventful week. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like they've left it as well. Essentially, John's now going to war with the entire world. I think. Yeah. <laughs> has, has the a fourth one been confirmed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the the Bowery King, the the Larry Fishburne character. I think he can play a bigger role in this one. Um. I mean, how is he alive? Oh, incredible. But yeah. Because he's Larry Fishburne, Larry can't die. We know this. Uh, but yeah, so John Wick, number, John Wick number nine was on a lot of people's yeah. list. A lot, a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, number eight is, I'm, I'm happy it's on the list because I think it deserves to be on the list. Um, and more, more importantly, I'm happy it's on the list because a, a second film after such a massive hit is always a really tough thing to follow up on. And if you don't follow up right, people start to think you're a one-hit wonder. Um, and that film is Us. Um, Yay, that's good. I really want it to be higher, but yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, by, by Jordan Peele. And like I said, I, I'm glad, it, for the reason I said, I'm glad it's on the list because if this, if Us had been a bad movie or had been a, even had been a good movie, you know people would have been saying, oh, like, you know, Get Out was, was like a flash in the pan, sort of. Yeah. You know, he, he's tapped in, like, he tapped into a mood in the time, you know, without. Yeah. But he didn't, he followed up with an absolutely great movie. Um, and it shows that he is a legitimate filmmaker and he is going to make he's hopefully going to do more and more stuff I, I, I think so and if it wasn't for The Irishman this would have been um, unequivocally my number one it came in as two for me and it's one of those films uh, like Get Out that really linger with you afterwards Yeah. and the, the hidden meanings and ambiguities come to you and you form your own interpretation um, and it's twisty and turny it's it's probably it's probably not quite uh, there isn't quite enough uh, for, uh, subtle foreshadowing maybe as get out no because I did guess I did guess it a bit earlier yeah the, the big twist yeah but still well, see I that's the thing do you think do you think the twist was meant to be a twist I don't know yeah see, I don't know actually because the person I was with said said a similar thing actually and they said well do you think it was actually meant to be a big I, I think so. I do think it was. See, but that, then, but then it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't concealed enough, perhaps, to be. Oh, that's what I, when I watched yeah. it. I'm thinking that can't yeah. be the twist because it, that, that is so. It's so obvious what's happened, and you can figure it out very quickly as to what's going on. That absolutely. Well, you know, as soon as she goes there, right? Uh -huh. like, as soon as she goes up that gilded gold staircase, that, that's where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is what's happening, and. Yeah, in a, in a, it's even, there's loads of hints throughout anyway, but I, 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 that's a really good point, actually. Um, potentially, isn't that? And the thing is, it doesn't matter. And also, um, obviously, Key and Peele, potentially one of the greatest uh, sketch shows of all time, it's still funny. Yeah. And somehow he manages to, to tonally not ma make these really scathing, um, biting, uh, uh, lacerating political films. Uh, he somehow manages to, manages to imbue comedy into which yeah. is no mean feat, which is um, really impressive. And also, uh, central performance is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and that's I think that's a, one of the biggest things to take from it. I think one of, it's one of the sad things about it is because it's a horror, 
because the horror came out in February, I think it was, February, March, yeah. that performance is forgotten. Oh, yeah. And, it won- and it's like, well, she's already won an Oscar, so yeah. she doesn't need another. And she deserves yeah. to get another run at that because that is a. The, perf- the, the performance she gives in that film is amazing. And with all it's the a duality, it's a yeah. dual performance, isn't it? Ah. Uh-huh. And the, the, voice, all- the voice is just fucking incredible. Do you like, know who she based the voice on? I did. I did know. What? No. Tell me, remind me. It's based on Robert Kennedy, apparently, after he had a heart attack or he had um, Yes, a yes. Fuck. Yeah, and it's like, that's, that's- so fucked up, wait, like, to base a voice, you know? It's like, oh, that's weird. Um... I mean, for all the best, for all the best thing in the world, like, like I went seeing Little Woman yesterday, and I'll talk about it next week. But I enjoyed it immensely, and everyone's going yep. on about how good Sasha Ronan is in that film, how good Florrie Pugh is in that film, and without question, they are both very good in that film. They're excellent in that film, in fact. But not one of them is doing anything close to what the Peter Nyong'o is doing. They're not taking as anywhere near as big a risk as what the no. Peter Nyong'o is doing with her performance. No. You know, there's not, yeah. there's nothing. There's in... a fearlessness, there's a fearlessness, isn't there? Uh-huh. Look, I'm sure that women's great. I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig, I'm a big fan of Sirius Ronan as well. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Little Women. But I imagine, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's not going to be too many surprises in that no. film because we've seen the original. And yes. the performances, you can't veer too far from the original performances because That's me sad, um, that it, yeah. it will get neglected for something that's a little bit too like mundane, you know. In the same yeah. way that I thought last year, the film itself wasn't the best film, or even a couple of years ago, um, with Split with um, James McAvoy. Oh yeah. His performance, yeah. his performance in both oh. of those films is fucking incredible because it's he's doing so much with just a look, yeah. but it's forgotten because it's a horror, it's a genre piece, it's forgotten, and that's that's me the real shame, um, and I think. And also, um, in us, I, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who plays the dad. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's hilarious. He's, he's bro- fucking brilliant. To bring so yeah. much to that role, you know, he does so much with something with very little dialogue. You know, that's yeah. inc- that's a great that's a great performance, and I think the film itself it holds up to me as one of the best Twilight Zone episodes, even though it's not a Twilight Zone episode. Um, but it feels very much like a Twilight Zone, and I love the Twilight Zone, so that's what um, which that's what I got and from. And it makes sense, doesn't it? That's yeah. what Jordan Peele is uh, working on now. Yep, so exactly. And he's, only yeah. doing, he's also doing Candyman just now as well. Yeah, that would well, be interesting. Producing the Candyman, yeah, I think, not directing it, producing the Candyman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I was really happy this didn't fall apart, because I think if it fell apart, people would have been you know, questioning his ability after the, the first one. And we've seen, we've seen a few directors in recent times who have had a great opening gambit, and then, you know, they've not really delivered the the goods, i.e. like somebody like Ruben Fleischer, who done the first Zombieland. Yeah, Since then, yeah, he's fallen off the cliff, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. same with the guy who's done District 9, you know. Yeah, Jesus, of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, These guys, guys really have fallen, they've made you know, masterpieces on their debut, and they've fallen away big time. Yeah, and um, what I'm hoping is, Hoping that this won't happen to is uh, uh, John Krasinski. I think he's taking a risk going back and doing Quiet Place Two, rather than trying to, to do that. rather than trying to do something else. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but anyway, so us made it into number eight. I, I said I really enjoyed it. It was on my list of top ten films, so I was really happy to see it on the list. 
Um, number yep. seven is Captain Marvel. Yeah. Directed by Anna uh, Boden and Ryan Fleck, who are actually really interesting directors. They did something called Mississippi Grind, and they also done a film called Half Nelson, which I'm a big fan of when it came out. Oh, uh, the, uh, the wrestling one? The wrestling no, Half is the one about the teacher. Roy, Ryan Gosling plays the teacher. Oh, yeah, the heroine added teacher. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good film. Yeah. Oh, Nelson, I like that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mississippi Grind's a great movie with um, Ryan Reynolds and oh fuck, what's his name? The Aussie guy. He's in everything. Um, he's in this as well as a as a crow. Uh, Carl Urban. No, he's, he's a bad guy. <laughs> in Robin, he's a bad guy in Robin Hood. He was. Oh my god, I forget yeah. his name. Oh Jesus, he's in. Red, he's a bad guy in Ready Player One as well. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, he's never been Scott, um, he's an unbelievable actor. He's in all the, um, Star, he's in Star Wars as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's in, he's in Rogue One, yeah, yeah. Oh, what the fuck's his name? He's an amazing actor. I love him. He's in one of my, one of my all-time favourite films. Um, again, I can't remember the name of, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn, thank you. Starred up, he's in yeah. Starred up as well. Is he in Starred up? Yeah, he's yeah. fucking fantastic, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Anyway, he's, he plays he plays one of the scroll guys in this. Um, so yeah, Captain Marvel made a lot of money at the box office. I I enjoyed it mostly, but I haven't been back and watched it again, so I don't really know how it holds up. Second, I think it's it's too long. Um, um, but I, I I agree with you. I, I enjoyed it without loving it. It's it's a seven out of ten. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I thought she was badass, but I'm a big fan of Brie Larson and everything she's in. Yep. But I, I, I wasn't. It wouldn't be anywhere near my top ten. No. It was just. It was just a good, good film. Yeah, it's, it's nothing more for me. It's an it's an enjoyable, solid popcorn film. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's like Ant Man esque. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. It's it's exactly in a part of Ant Man. Um, yeah. But obviously, got a lot of people being the first female Marvel character getting its own movie and all that kind of stuff. So it, it got a bit more of a, a yeah. bump because of that. Um, which is fine, I'm happy with that. Happy done well because of like, all the internet trolls who are trying to bring it down before it even came out, so I'm not Totally, yeah. yeah. And she was badass, she, you know, loves yeah. Nightingale, so I'm happy with that. Um, I enjoyed it, it put Kevin Smith in the Marvel Universe, I enjoyed that part of it, so I'm yes. kind of happy with yes. that. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of, I watched it and then I was like, you know what, I'm fine, happy, you know, I'll move on from it now. Didn't make your 10 then, I assume? No, no, no uh, nowhere close to my 10. No idea, no idea, likewise, yeah. Uh, number six also didn't make my top ten, which and that is the film Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 we have opinions. We have opinions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, what's the word? I enjoyed bits of it. I thought it was at times it was doing well. I didn't like when it put itself into the Batman universe. I thought that was the you know, weakest parts of it, and you could easily made this film without referencing anything to do with the DC universe you could have just made it like a taxi driver type film you know someone who's yeah but, you, but, but it wouldn't have got made though would it it's a fair point yeah he, I don't think Todd Phillips wanted to make I think he has nothing but disdain for comic book films yeah no I think so as well this is this is a filmmaker who thinks he's Scorsese and then says well I can't get my Scorsese film made so can I uh, what if I put the Jerry Hooker in that world and they go oh, okay that'll make money cheers Todd yeah. Um, but I think he wants to because I think he wanted a budget that he can work with. I don't think he can work to a small budget because I think if you look at the film that was out last year, was it You Were Never Really Here? With yes. um, Joaquin Phoenix. 
you could make a, a film... Fa- vastly superior film, in my opinion. Yes, no. but you could make a film that follows roughly the same lines as that Joker film on that budget if you had a bit of ingenuity in how you're making it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you could. And it, it Joker is... Let's be honest, like Joker is, is a good film. It's a good film, there's no question about that. It's a good film. No doubt about it. And, and it's a real leap. We should actually probably celebrate Todd Phillips because he's he is not... Um, he, you know, he, he's a bit of a, a, a you know, he, he's a one-trick pony up till now. So he's he's trying to make the Adam McKay leap um, from from frat boy comedy to being an auteur, and not everything works, and it is problematic in a lot of places. Um, it hinges on an amazing performance, as per from Joaquin Phoenix. It has been praised by all the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, and you know. Um, that there are problems with it, but it is a very good film, and I, I was probably more scathing of my uh, criticism in the film in the immediate aftermath of watching it. But as time has gone on, I think it, it is a, it is a very good film. It could have made my top ten. Could have sneak, could have snuck in at nine or ten, but almost out of spite. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's, um, I, I think I mean, that's the opinion as well. Whereas I'm annoyed by who who liked the film. That I don't want to like it, and 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 when I watched it, I enjoyed it. But I, again, I was not blown away by it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was something interesting, but there's too much stuff in it. I felt if you're going to put the Joker tag on it, you've got to make something that holds in at least some part true to the Joker movie, uh, to the Joker character. And I felt there was great big swathes of this film that felt completely out of whack with what the Joker is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I think ultimately. This is a bit, it's a bit of a cop-out because I don't think he is the Joker. No, I don't think so either. I, I think he is almost like a messiah who inspires a Joker or yeah. something, I don't know. But um, it's a bit of a cop-out, that. And then the little tie-in with, with Bruce, it's like, oh, I don't know, that felt a bit forced. That it's felt... Like a bit I don't know if Phillips would have okayed that, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, there's, that... there's, there's lots to like. There's lots to like. It is... You feel... Fucking depressed after it though. There's no joy or light in this film at all. No. But that you know that's okay. I, I, I'm I'm alright with that. But uh, um, I, what I would say is, as as Apple mentioned, it is a testament to the enduring appeal of these incredible characters. So yeah. we are just endlessly fascinated by them, and we will see any incarnation and reinterpretation of them because we want to. We're happy for them to be pulled. You know. Um, like a, like an elastic band and stretched to the boundaries of where they what where where their etymology came from. We're okay with that because yeah. we still want to see them on screen, which is cool. And um and and Top Phillips should be commended. He's he's done a lot of good with it. Um, what he'll do next, I'm not sure. Um, he's I can't I had, I'd hope there won't be. A, I hope Phoenix is a one and done. It should be a one and done. Phoenix seems like a one and done kind of guy, but when a film makes one point something billion. You know the the, the issue of trying yeah. to make a sequel will be there. Um, like I said, I, I definitely see the minority of people who were not blown away with this film. Everyone I've talked to, you know, put this number. They're one of their one of their favorite films of the year, and they're the top film of the year. So, um, and again, it could be maybe in a couple of years' time, I'll rewatch it from a different point of view once I'm less angry with the world of people who are liking this film, and I might see it in a, yeah, in a very different way then. But right now, I, I find it hard to separate the art from the politics of it a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. It's hard to be objective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and but as a film, it's, it's, a, it's a very well done film. It's, it, there is definite faults within the film. Um, it's yeah. portrayal of mental illness. I don't think it's particularly clever or smart. I think it's sort of at times just sort of throws a, a, a one a net over everything. You know, they never. It's just sort of they just make them. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There is that. I, I like the fact that it alluded to the cuts in in mental health. Um, yeah, no, that that was thing. Yeah, that, that was, was good. Yeah, but in terms of the the oh, he's a bit mad, isn't he? So he goes around killing people. Was very one dimensional. Yeah, and and the we're supposed to not really have sympathy for the mother. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, she was seriously mentally ill mm. as well. And I felt that there were a few. They, I felt that it was almost the case of it was so surreal and dreamlike that you could come, you could easily come away going, well, what was real? Yeah, and that it was all a bit like the neighbors episode, you know, where it's like at the end it was fucking bouncing the dog's dream. Yeah. So it's like, well, did any of it happen? So that 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 that's an annoying that 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 irritated me a yeah. little bit to be honest, because like, well, that's a complete cop out. We need to know that there's some semblance of uh, of happening here, otherwise, well, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The unreliable narrator is a way. Of, Telling the story, but ultimately you have to have some. I think you have to have a resolution towards it as to what you can believe at the end of I it. I think so. And I think so. And then at the end, his deification was a bit unsettling. Um, and, but at the same time, art should provoke. Yeah. So and and, and, and I'm all for that. And anyone who's trying to censor that shit is part of the problem. So um, yeah, and I could endlessly talk about it. So yeah. that for me is a sign that it's it's doing its job, whether you agree with it or not. If you can talk about something, then that's good art. Well, I said you know, I'll, def- I'll disagree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to death your right to say it. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely, fucking exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, on to number five, which was my favourite film of the year. So snuck on at number five, I think mainly because I gave it my top marks, um, and that was Booksmart, directed by Olivia Wilde, um, cool. which I thought was a, a, just a fantastically well done, lovely, just full of heart movie that made me smile all the way through it yeah and it's it's one of those films like for me i i i, I wasn't quite as enamored with it as you but i i still absolutely love it and i think it is a classic and i think like super bad it will endure i think yeah. 10 years from now i'll i whenever super bad is on which is all the fucking time on itv4 I will just dip in and out. I'll yep. always put it on. And I think Booksmart should be one of those. Yep. And annoyingly, it didn't make the numbers that Superbad did. And it's actually much leaner. Yeah. There's quite a lot of fat on Superbad, as great as it is. Um, but Booksmart is fucking really funny, really sweet. Um, quite surprising in places. Um, it doesn't hit all the same uh, predictable beats that the films of that ilk, like Porky's, American Pie, and yeah. everything else, it, it, it takes you different places. It's female-led, um, <coughs> not in a kind of, not in a, a go, not in a kind of let's, oh, we need to make a female-led version of Superbad, Me Too um, thing. It just feels like a very organic, natural yeah. um, film that's made for legitimate reasons. And you just love spending time with those characters. That's, 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 what, that's what it was for me. That's what it was for me. Like, same in a while over Richard Linklater film, or even that Kevin Smith film is, yeah. I want to sit and I want to talk and find out about these people. I want, I want to find out what they're going to do in their lives. You know, I, I, that's what I enjoy about it. It didn't feel like I was watching a character in, so much as watching just two friends going through something in life. Yeah. And yeah. to me, that's, you know, myself, that's the kind of film that I really enjoy and I, that's the film that I, I really gra- like gravitate towards. So 
there's nothing about those two actresses playing those roles that made me think they were actresses playing the roles. It felt so real, so it felt so real, in everything they did, um, and I think that's why I really enjoyed it. I also thought it was, I thought it was funny as hell. I thought it was insanely, oh, God, yeah. insanely yeah, clever. Um, it took insane risks as well, like the whole Barbie doll scene. I thought, I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. so bizarre. That it, it, Where's Anderson shit, man? Yeah, it's so, <laughs> Absolutely. If people who want to see like people who are going there because they thought this is like a girly version of super bad, I think we'd be, oh, to- we'd be totally. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'd be totally freaked out by it, and I'm pretty sure the studio probably wouldn't have wanted to put something like that in. But they, 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 they stuck around for it. They they pushed for it. and They got it in there. Um, yeah. the, the only real gutting thing about this film was it's been seen as a failure because the the studio had high hopes for it, put it on a lot more screens than it probably deserved to be on, and then it's. Kind of sunk without a trace. Whereas if they'd done the. You didn't though. I never saw it anywhere, did you? I only saw a couple of trailers. And then I heard word of mouth coming out of a couple of festivals. But you know know the type of style they do for these kind of films? They put them out maybe like half a dozen screens, get them a bit of of, of buzz going for them, and then they start expanding the release out. By the time it hits us, there's already a huge buzz for it. You know, but they'd never done that. They just sort of plumped it all out as a big release, and then no one went and seen it because I'm sure Captain Marvel or something was out that week. You know, so and and no one went and seen it, which I thought was a real shame because I, I really dug it. I thought it was really funny, really yeah, clever. Man. I would, I hope I'll do well, gets a chance to do other things because there is a sense. Usually, if you're a, a female director and your first in one of your films doesn't do that well, you will be you know in movie jail for so many years, and you won't get a chance to make another film. You know, whereas if you're a guy, you get you know, umpteen mm. chance to do it. So hopefully, she gets an all chance to make a film. Um, I hope they would do Ladybird money, but it just didn't. Didn't I think it'd be close to Ladybird money, which is a real, a real, real shame. Um, but I thought, Ladybird. I, thought bit, Ladybird. I thought it was a bit from Ladybird as well. Um, yeah. I, I just, it just, it, I saw it quite early on in the year. I think it was like May, like March or something. <coughs> and it's just, it's been in my head ever since. Like I, I just, nothing's unstrucked it from the top of the, in, in my head over, over what, what, what was going on. How good is Beanie Feldstein, by the way? She's, she's fantastic. Um, amazing. She's popped up in a few things in, in little roles recently, and, I, and I've enjoyed her in them. And I, it was great seeing her do, like, pushing for that, you know, that, that, that lead. Same way I saw the girl who was in Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, the, the baddie in that. Oh, yeah. Her name I can't remember, but I saw her in a film recently. She was a lead, and she was excellent. And I thought, oh, it's really good to see you finally getting a, a chance at a, yeah. a lead. Getting that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and running with it and, and, and going with it. Um, so yeah, so Booksmart number five, more, more people should see it. Uh, number four is our, one of our favourite directors, Tarantino, his eighth film, have we seen eighth film or ninth film? Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying ninth man, they're two separate films. Kill Bill 1 and 2, okay. Um, so yeah, so, so I his... don't agree with Tarantino unless it's a one, it's a one six-hour film. If if he releases them both at the same time and says go and watch them as a double bill, then it's one film. But he released them separately, so there's two films. There is a cut that's been shown of Kill Bill that is a one a one film cut. Is there? Yeah, it's called it's called the whole bloody mess or something. Um, how does it? How long does it clock in at? I think it clocks in at roughly the full film. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much lean cut stuff out of it. Maybe just the ending of the, of both chapters, just sort right. of anyway. We're not on that one today. Um, what we're talking about is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which I thought was the first film, genuinely the first film, that showed Brad Pitt as a proper movie star. That's a bold claim. Uh, there's other films he's been in, and he's been a very good-looking guy and a good and a good and an excellent actor in it. But this is the first film I feel like he's an excellent actor who is also a movie star. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. It feels like, yeah, that like it, the way he shot, it's just, yeah, it's it, the whole film is that whole classic thing. It is a love letter to that period of cinema, that time just before the dam breaks. Yeah. And that dam breaking is obviously uh, Manson and everything else, which personifies a sinister. It results in some great cinema in the seventies. This gritty. Um, anarchic indie cinema, but in terms of the 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 kind of sepia tinged um, technicolor Hollywood escapism, that's gone after the Manson uh, murders. And this film is trying to replicate that sheen and that shine. And so uh, Pitt plays the non movie star out of the two, but has this kind of magnetic, effortless, cool that you just want to be in his company all the time. Yeah. And yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you now you say that. Um, like the camera's on him for the whole the camera's on him for the whole movie, like he's sort of like this is his like breakout film. And you're going yeah. It's fucking yeah, Brad Pitt, yeah. man. He's been around for the last like twenty five we know who Brad Pitt is. But it, it falls in a way like you're going like but this is the guy who's gonna be the next big thing and it's like we know who Brad Pitt is. Like but yeah. like, which showed you how good yeah. it is, you know, how good of how good a role that is and how good he plays the role is that you actually believe him as a movie star, which he is a movie, of course, a movie star, but I, I yeah. don't know. It just for the first time I actually saw Brad Pitt as a movie star, which I know sounds completely insane because he's probably one of the most famous and most recognizable men on the planet. But I always saw him as an actor as opposed to a movie star. Yeah, he is a proper actor. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I think I think he's been because he's so beautiful. I think he's been trying to become an actor. I, yeah. I want to be an actor. I don't want to just be um, judged on my looks which is something that's always thrown uh, in the female direction, but actually it works in the male direction too, because ultimately, generally, if you become a big film star, it's because you happen to be beautiful as well, talented. Yeah. That's the reality. Um, film is an escape. It's an escape. We don't want normality. Only normality exists in the supporting players. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's, a, it's an interesting point you raise. And he, he seems to be, he, he's at peace with, he's not, not having to outact he's he's doing it's very much less is more it, Tarantino gets something out of Pitt that I don't know anyone else does uh, in Glorious Bastards obviously a very different role but he gets a playfulness out of him he yes. gets this this humour like the funny bones in Pitt run deep and yeah. we don't necessarily appreciate that um, no, I agree. Until, until we see it yeah I mean like like Fincher's not getting comedy out of him no no <laughs> Fincher's idea of comedy, I mean, is like a fucking autopsy. Yeah. So, um, well, even if you think yeah. Fincher, you know, my Fincher did um, uh, Benjamin Button. I love Benjamin Button. Which, no, I, I absolutely adore it. Which, which I know it's a, a hill I'll die on alone, but I love it. But that yeah. should be a much lighter film and have much more idea for a sort of comedy moments in it than say something about the Manson murders. But like you said, Tarantino yeah. does get a much lighter of touch out of him compared to Fincher, who seems. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's such it's such an odd film, isn't it? Yeah. It's such an odd. It definitely stands alone in uh, QT's canon, I think. It's and it's it's such a kind of dreamy, whimsical. I mean, I could just watch them drive all day. Yeah. You know, it's so. It just feels like they're driving through time. It feels like. You have been transported to this moment in time, and you you get to soak it up. And Sharon Tate 
being a supporting player is genius. Yeah. It's genius. And the, the beautiful, sweet moments we see of her. And he, put, I don't know what she was like as a person, Sharon Tate, but Tarantino portrays her as this innocent, effervescent, um, sweet-natured, um, holy shit, I'm actually an actress. Um, <laughs> you know, just this, this, this bouncing bunny of joy. Yeah. And she just, she exists to be happy. Like, and, yeah. And, and, and that's what makes it all the more sad with what happened to her. So it is that the hints in the title. Once upon a time, yeah. The way he sub, the way he subverts that exactly the same way he did with Inglorious. Oh. He is writing a wrong. He's using his role as the writer yeah. to literally recreate history, and it's a wonderful, wonderful film. I yeah, think. I, I, I agree. I mean, he's, he's telling a fairy tale, like you said. It's in the title, Once Upon a Time. He's telling us. He's telling us. He's telling a fairy tale. He's not trying to tell history. The same way Glorious Bastards is not trying to tell historical fact. It's. It's. You know. It's. It's his warped sense of history and sort of like ultimate history to an extent. Um. I, I mean, like you said, it's the same. Like I could. I could have watched Pitt drive around. Um. Yeah. The whole movie and just the interplay between and interplay between him and DiCaprio is is fantastic. DiCaprio, a couple of DiCaprio scenes I thought were phenomenal as well. Um, I thought that DiCaprio, uh, uh, he's another one of them that we know he's a great actor, but fuck, he is so good in this. Pitt yeah. is obviously incredible as well. Pitt should be winning everything, but DiCaprio, the, the scenes particularly when he's this struggling, failing B-movie actor who's, who's losing his way, he's losing his sense of identity, he knows he's failing, he knows he's, he's on a downward spiral now. So you're really rooting for him after a couple of false starts in that bar room scene where he's got the girl and he's got the gun to her head. Yeah. You're like, come on, Rick. Come on, Rick. Yeah. Pull this out the park and it, it smashes it. And it's amazing because the acting is genuinely incredible. And there's that line, the little girl, who is absolutely amazing, by the way, the yeah. girl, uh, she says, that's the best acting I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It was pretty good. Oh, but, it's a lovely moment. But he's not, he's, it's not the cat pro acting. It's... DiCaprio acting as a character acting. Isn't that insane? Like yeah. that's such a difficult mindset to get into. Acting as an actor, acting as a different person. Well, yeah. It's, oh, it's, Can it's you feel so if DiCaprio if DiCaprio's a cowboy film, he'd play that completely differently. So it's, he's get he's, he's it's Inception level, you know, sort of like he's yeah. That's that's what makes it to me brilliant is the fact that he has a character playing a character who's playing a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just crazy to me, and he makes it seem so effortless. Um, and there's so much that works about this film. I love that it's playful. I love that it doesn't pander. Like, it literally is this, fuck you. It's in the same way The Irishman. It's like, yeah. if you like Goodfellas and stuff, that's great, but there's not going to be that many killings here, lads. Um, Hollywood is like, yeah, I know you love Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, but there's not that much action here. It's, no. all, it's all foreboding. And you feel something could... Foreboding, you know, menace. You know. the, the scene at the ranch when he goes and he talks to Bruce Dern, you feel like something could kick off there. It's like a horror film. And he just, he just goes, no, I'm not going to kick anything off because I don't want to kick it off right now because that would alter what might happen later on. So he's like, he's quite happy. He's, yeah. There's a little, there's a smattering of violence there, but not yeah. anything ridiculous. That, that, he, he is forever, even if, like, there are some people I know who are massive Tarantino fans who didn't enjoy Hollywood. And I think it's the same people who didn't enjoy Irishman, but like Scorsese, it's not going to give you the hits of that director. It's, no. It's very much uh, a nuanced, almost poetic version of what they're trying to say. Yeah. Or if it, or if it um, is giving you what you... 
or if it is giving you scenes that you want to see, like for example, you want the Tarantino from Reservoir Dogs of Pulp Fiction, it'll give you a, such a little small moment of it when you think, oh, this is going to kick off, and yeah. then it doesn't, you know, and that may leave you more yeah. frustrated because you're, you're wanting something like... That makes it better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I agree. Opinion, it's like catch and release, it's like less is more. Yeah. Um, and Tarantino's always been like that, even, you know, the, the seminal scene in Reservoir Dogs with the, the ear, you know, that, that he, he pulls the camera away. Yes. Yeah. It's always been that titillation, always been that fascination with well, what do you want, like, pushing you to your darkest desires and then not not delivering. Yeah. So it's a really clever piece of work. It's it's stunning. I watched it again recently. It's the only film out of my top ten I've actually watched twice. I think, and um, it, I watched it again. I thought I could have bumped it up. I had it at number three. I could have bumped it up to two um, ahead of us. It was a, it was really difficult between the two of them, and I think Hollywood. Yeah, it, I, I make a really strong case for Hollywood being his best film since Inglorious Bastards. Anyway, it, I mean, there's only been Django and Hateful Eight. Um, I think I agree because I think I, I'm not as big on Hateful Eight as I was on other films. I think I watched it recently and enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time around. But I, that's one I would definitely, if I was like going right, I want to watch them. I would definitely sort of like watching the other ones before I watch that one. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't done a bad film. No. We're, we're massive fans of every <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, I, if, if we could fucking write that dialogue, Jesus, you know, it's, yeah. it's amazing. But it's just a bit leaden. It's a bit heavy. Like, it's too long. Um, yes. And it's it's it's, there are, there, it's problematic. You know, there are, he's, he's gleefully using the N-word far too much. Yes, that was one of my issues with Eight Hatefully. Um, but yeah, no, no I, mean, yeah. I, I would still watch Hatefully again, but I've, I've had to absolutely. write Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made it to number four, so well done for Once Upon cool. a Time in Hollywood. Number three is Spider-Man Far From Home. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Really? Um, directed by John Watts, who directed a film called Cop Car, which I really enjoyed, um, with Kevin Bacon, and also he directed the Spider-Man Homecoming, which I thought Homecoming was a far superior film to this. So much better. Yeah. Homecoming. So much better. There's, yeah. Lot, there's, there's lots to enjoy in this. Again, there's a lot of fun in it. There's a lot of happiness in it. Like, the scene when um, he's talking... Like, pretty much any scene with Zendaya in it, I thought was excellent. I really enjoyed the two of them on screen together. I thought they were yeah, really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. so much charm between them. Um, <coughs> I like the guy from Silicon Valley who's in it. Um, I thought he again was very, very funny. Yeah, it took me a while to realise it was him. Yeah, he's so cool in Silicon Valley. Yeah, he's uh, so geeky in this. Yeah. Well, we just finished Silicon Valley season four or five, the, the, the last one, and I remember I said to Joe, you know, that's the guy from Spider Man. The Spider Man movie. She's going, who? I'm going, the teacher who's a complete, like, neurotic failure. Nerd. Yeah. yeah whereas in <laughs> Silicon Valley, plays the exact opposite of that. He's like sort of this. <laughs> You know, like yeah, just fair play. He's got range. He got range, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just again, I thought the film was fine. It was there was nothing bad about it. Just I had a lot of fun when I watched it. I but I had absolutely no urge or desire to watch it again quickly. You know. What I would say, Jake Gyllenhaal is fucking great. Again, yeah, actually, I, there's lots of there's tons of stuff in it I really enjoyed for like what a comic book movie is. Like for example, I enjoyed Jake Gyllenhaal. And I thought it was great. I enjoyed Zendaya. And I thought she was great in it as well. I really liked the. Um, the whole way they tied it into the other Marvel movies a little bit, you know, when they had like yes. the, all the guys who were like slighted by Tony Stark were coming back. There's that moment when yeah. they're in the the, the, the the Stark jet and then um, he puts on ACDC. That, again, that big, big, big yes. smile when that came on. I, I really dug it, but it's one of these things, it's like, I, I don't really like when they take characters out to, you know, they do the let's go to Europe type thing. To me, Spider-Man is a character who should be in Queens in New York. Yes. 
you know, and I feel and, that's where he belongs. Um, you know, uh, the uh, post-credits scene though was pretty cool. Post-credits scene was excellent. Love seeing uh, JJ back. Um, yeah, that's cool. I, 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 that's, that, was, that, that gives me a lot of excitement about the next one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I will go and see. There's going to be another one. I will go and see it. And there's no reason why I've never gone. See, I would always go and see a Spider-Man movie. Um, and I've sat through a couple of a few bad Spider-Man films to see the good ones. But yeah, it, it was just a, it was a fine, well-done movie. But again, nothing that made me go. This is this is phenomenal. This is like, I still I still maintain that the best Spider-Man film live action is Spider-Man Two. I don't think it's ever beat Spider-Man Two. I think Homecoming takes it really close. Yeah, it does. Spider-Man Two is Spider-Man Two is the best. I agree. Yeah, um, I agree. And the best Spider-Man film is still um, in the Spider-Verse. It's still by far the best Spider-Man film. It's the best comic book film. It's best. It's probably one of the best films of the, of the last ten years. To be it's, honest, it's, it's potentially the best film of the decade. Yeah, like, it's literally. So, I mean, let's uh, let's just give it all for Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. I mean, every every. Every inch of that film should be should be rewatching and developed again. But yeah, Spider Man Far From Home, like I said, everyone who's you get exactly what you want from a Spider Man film, I, I think. There's nothing not in it that's not yeah. a Spider Man film. I, I, I um I'm surprised it's that high. Fuck. You can't remember his what, vote. You what I would say is that um, in its defence, it was kind of on a hiding to nothing. It's almost like when David Moyes got the Man United job <laughs> Yes. You know, just following Endgame, it's like, oh, fuck. <coughs> and it's suffered, I think it suffered from that lull for the first hour, and then it, it, it kicks into gear, and you're like, oh, <coughs> the first how, hour is a bit of a slog. But I did love how it opened in the first, the first scene when it was like the Whitney Houston song playing, and it had like the... That was cool, the, that was cool, like that the, was really good, but then following that, it's like they didn't know how to navigate it, which yeah. must have been quite difficult to be fair. Yes. You can't really come out and make a really light film after Endgame, but Endgame is... There's a, there's a lot of it's stuff so happening heavy. in the game. Yeah, the gravitas yeah. is so pronounced. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, it's there. Not not enough Marissa Tomei in it for my liking. I like, I like to see more Marissa Tomei, but that's just a personal thing. We always do. We always do. Yes. You know, I, I, I don't know how I feel about fuck about Aunt May, but I'm, I'm liking it. Um, <laughs> it makes me feel odd and tingly. Um, but anyway, yeah, on to number two, which is a film that's only just come out in the last couple of weeks. Um, but we have a lot of geeks um, of this genre in the, the Three Bears ranks. Uh, so number two is Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker. A Rise of Skywalker, sorry. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Wow. Really? Wow. I haven't yeah. seen it. You haven't seen it yet. Um, no. There's a definite divide in this film. Um, people who are happy with just being given the nostalgia on a plate and going, remember you want like, remember you like this, like this, like this, you like this, like this, yay. If you actually want to see someone trying to develop a story and move a story on, then you're not going to get that from this film. But it depends. It depends what you're after. Um, and the people who liked it for the nostalgia parts of it obviously loved it. And a couple of guys, obviously a couple of the people in the, the three beers rankings, um, are big fans of that. You know, they they they're from the gen the generation when the first the seventies film when it first came out. They grew up on this, so seeing it then is is, is what they want to see. I, those, I those those characters do something to people, and they they we they locked. Uh, I've I've always been a Star Wars fan, and then I speak to people who are. Star Wars fans, and then I realised, shit, I'm not a Star Wars fan. No. Like, I think they're good films, but yeah. I'm not bothered. I'm not. I'm not invested in it. I'm not invested in it in the same way that that you are with Kevin Smith, yeah. or I am with Wes Anderson. I'm just like, well, they're good films, and I enjoyed them, and I liked them when I was a child. But I and, and I've I've fallen away progressively with every Star Wars film 
that has been made. I've enjoyed the prequels more than any of the other films yeah. of recent times. Rogue One, I probably enjoyed more than any of them. But, uh, I, I, I will watch, and it, it, there will be moments, I'm sure, where it will it will sucker in my cynical 35-year-old oh, self. And yes. Go, oh, God. That yes. abso- absolutely is. I want to see. That, that absolutely is, and I'm much the same as you. Like when I I I'm, I realize I like Star Wars. I don't love Star Wars. I like Star Wars a lot, um. But there are things in the Star Wars universe that you hear it, you see it, and you instantly have a tingle. You, you your your whole body sets up. You, you you instantly harken back to you know when you were nine years old watching it for the first time, um. And maybe that Star Wars is at its best when it's made for kids. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe it's at, that's when it is at its best. Um, yeah, and, maybe. and this film has it as well. There's moments when you go, "Oh, that's so cool! Oh, that's great!" And then there's moments you go, as an adult, go, "What the fuck?" Like, come on, you're better than that. You, and what was more annoying, yeah. and, and what I've been reading is, they had no overarching story for this film, when, or any of these films when they first done it. No, that that's the sense, though, isn't it? Yeah. it feels like they've they've just been winging it the whole way. Um, it's very, it's the antithesis of Avengers, I think. Sense. Yeah, and you can sense that when you're watching it that they had no idea how they're going to end this or start this or begin it or, or you know or and or lock these together. It was very much just right. You do your bit, then I'll do my bit, and then we'll do our bit again. You know, and I think it also yeah. hurts as well that yeah, JJ doing the first one, Ryan Johnson kind he does his bit with the same one, but he sort of kicks a little bit of the first one down. And then Judy goes kind of back and come back and goes kind of like, well, fuck you, you're going to piss on my film, I'm going to just fuck around with your film, your mythology as well. Whereas if you think if you, had a, if you had a third director in there, you know, eventually you're going to be Colin Trevorrow who was going to be doing it. If there's another director yeah. doing it, you know, it might be more sort of played towards, like, let's try and tie it in a little bit more. We, we like JJ, but JJ will play by what the studio wants. He'll give, he'll give the fans what they want. Where Rian, Rian was probably a really bad choice for that franchise because it's so emotive. Yeah. You can't, he was trying to do too much. He's like, um, I don't know why I keep using football analogies tonight, but he's like when when, when a, a football manager goes in, in, like when Sunes took over the amazing Liverpool team and he starts clearing out all the backroom staff and he starts selling all the players and he starts bringing all the young lads. It's like, well, you're trying to do too much and you've you've upset the institution too much. Yeah. And that's what Rian Johnson did. And I, I'm not a fan of Last Jedi, but at least it was trying to do something different. Whereas... Whatever, what Force Awakens? Force Awakens was fine, but it was just like you said earlier about greatest hits of films. It was a greatest hits of Star Wars, and I, it's almost like the studio gone. Well, we need the safe pair of hands yeah. now because some people got angry on the internet because um, the things didn't happen how they wanted it to pan yeah. out. So I, I suspect it would be a bit pandering. Yeah, I, I mean, will watch it. Yeah, watch it. I mean, I, I think you'll, you'll you'll get something from it, but I just think I think we're going. I want to see that again, and I still maintain out of the three films, the best film is a trailer for Force Awakens. No, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed the Force Awakens a lot, but the trailer gave me yeah. everything I wanted from that film. You know, honestly, the trailer yeah. gave me everything. Yeah, yeah, well, the trailer gave too much, though, didn't it? It was like, well, we know what's going to happen. What I would say throughout, we should just talk about how good I assume again he's amazing, but Adam Driver is just fucking incredible, right? He is. I don't think he's given good enough service in this film. Is he not really? No, I I think he's he's working he's working exceptionally hard with what he's got and he's making it work as best he can. But he's not got he's not got the best um, 
stuff to work with. Because he's too bloody interesting a character. God damn it, I'm already annoyed at this film. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, the supposedly last film in the Star Wars thing, which will not be Yeah, true. exactly, yeah. get fucked. Yeah. yeah. Never going to end. Never going to end, though. They've paid, paid way too much money not to make more of them. Um, so that leaves the number one film, which I think there's no I surprise. Wonder, I have no idea what number one will be. Um, I think it might be, hang on. Uh, will it be... Uh, um, I reckon it will be uh, Chris Morris's The Day Shall Come. That didn't even get that came no. close, 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 so close. And yeah. this film, in many ways, is a, is a a companion piece to Chris Morris's film, um, <laughs> which I haven't seen. It definitely would be in my top ten because I'm obsessed with it. I haven't seen it. Before. I I enjoyed The Day Shall Come, but I didn't enjoy it in the same way I enjoyed Four Lines, for example. Right. It's yeah. it's still very funny, but it's maybe trying to do too much. Yeah, like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, but no, it did make number one, I'm surprised. Yeah. So, what is number one? Number surprised. one is Avengers Endgame, which was number one Shut by... Are you joking? Shut the front door. Yeah, wow. by... <laughs> by... Uh, obviously, Gretzky-like margin, by Liverpool top-of-league margin. That's how much it went number yes. one by. It was yes. on everybody except from Barry's list. Because Barry didn't even have it in the top ten. No. Did he not? No. Barry's what? not. Barry's, just forget about it. Barry's, Barry's just no. Barry's not a comic book fan. He's really not. He's, he's, he doesn't buy into them a lot. No. Um, no. I've, I've, I've got that vibe, but I thought he'd be on the top ten. Yeah. <coughs> but um, anyone else? I mean, it was on your list. It was on my list. Everybody it had was, it on their list. Where was it on your list? I think like no. It's weird. Me and you had it in the same. Me and you had our bottom five or roughly the same. I, I think. I had it seven. I think I had it seven as well. It's not as good as Infinity War. It's not as good a film as Infinity War, but it's got a but, but better the moments. moments. Oh, the moments. <laughs> yeah. Probably the best moments I've ever experienced in the cinema. Yeah. They were that, that profound and yeah. that powerful. Like, the um, final 45 minutes of that film is just, it's it's everything as a nine-year-old Richard yeah. wanted when he started reading comics to see it on the big screen. That's And, it, and, it, knows, and it knows it's doing that. You know, yeah, it, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's giving you what you want. It's, it's giving me what I want, but I didn't even know I wanted some of the stuff until it gave me it. Yeah, yeah. You and know, it's, it's and it, it's pretty. Um, I like find it's it's there's still it, it's not whole at all happy ending. It is bittersweet, you know. But yeah. There is there is real cost to what takes place. Yeah. And that's what makes it have the gravitas that it does. <laughs> the score. We need to talk about the score. Because the portal scene is just, I, I literally, <laughs> and I'm not invested in these films. Uh, nowhere near as much as that. I'm not a, I'm not a comic book guy, I guess. But I, I kind of flip and I'll read bits and bobs. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not certainly a comic book geek like yourself. But I have watched all the films and I, I like a lot of them. But yeah, that moment, the portal scene is, fuck. If you're not swept up in that, oh, like yeah. you're dead inside. Honestly, that is incredible. Yeah, it's it's magnificent filmmaking, and I think that the director and the actors have all said that the thing they know makes that part of the film so great is the score. The the the, the moment that film that the Sylvester score kicks yeah. in, that yeah. makes that bit of the film, and it is it's a it's a phenomenal scene. It's and it's worth twenty two movies to get to that scene. You know, it's it's it worth. Is. No, it is. It it really is, and you've invested so much into it, uh, and it, it shows what it could. What the Avengers, the whole franchise, and this is the culmination of the franchise, <coughs> is 
the importance of collaboration. I yeah. know it sounds quite cheesy, but <coughs> we don't, it's not like, oh, once upon a time in Hollywood, that's a Tarantino written and directed by. We don't, to be honest, we don't really, yes, we know about the Russo brothers and everything else, but we don't, we don't really give a fuck about who directs the Avengers, generally. Even, like, film fans, we're just, oh, producers, you know, Kevin Feige, yeah. we're real geek. We care, we care about the end product. And it's the score, it's the performances, it's it's how characters portrayed by Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. in particular, um, Scott Johansson as well. They just they're so they, they live in them, you know. They they they've become them. They've they've fleshed them out in the same way that Gandalfini did with the Sopranos or um, uh, Your Man in Breaking Bad did as well. Yeah. You know, they they had so much time. That they they look you can sense that they've become those characters too, and everything about it is just so it's so euphoric and and, and, and just a, a, a really emotive film. It's flawed. It oh is flawed. yeah, the, the, yeah. It takes a while. I mean, the first hour of it is is tough. It's, it's tough. Bleak it, and tough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not particularly interesting to get through. The second hour's picking up. Once you go into the kind of time travel, time heisty part of it, that's that's when it starts to kick into gear. That's there's, there's a lot of fun then. Um, when you see Cap fighting Cap, that's a lot of fun as well. Um, Very cool. But it is really the, it's a, it, it, it ends so big and so epic that you, you get hard to come away not pleased by what you've seen on screen at the end of it. You know, you feel yeah. it, you feel the the hours you invest in the, the first part of it is and indeed the, the last ten years in it are a hundred percent yeah. worth it. You know, because you feel like that's what it's building towards. I'm totally okay with that. And I'm okay with it being number one, even though it's uh, it's low, lower down in our lists. We're judging things um, on an individual film level, but if you term if you if we're talking about the collaboration, we're talking about the end of a succession of films. We're talking about the end of an era, yeah. so it, it represents more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Yes, it's flawed, but fuck, they had a tough task. The yeah. expectation, the weight of it, they did a really good job. To be fair, didn't they? Well, they, they, a, they, they I, hit a lot. Of, yeah. Comparing it to like say like. You've probably seen online that the, the reaction to the Star Wars film has been mixed. You know, that's that's the end of 40 years, nine films, and people are a bit meh. Some people like it, a bit meh. I didn't hear really any sort of unhappiness towards the ending of no. um, Endgame. Everyone was like, you know, that's 100%. We're, we're, everyone was happy with it. They might have wanted yeah. some people to stay alive, they might have wanted some people with more time in it, but everyone was content and, and delighted with what yeah. was given to them. You know, but yeah. I don't think it pandered to anybody because I think if it was going to pander to people, they would have they would have left more set up for say Cap to come back, and I don't think there's that much set up for Cap to come back. No, um, no, I don't think so. no. You know, uh, the the only potential pandering is the, and, and it wasn't really pandering, but it was just very much a case of, oh yeah, shit, we're really sorry about the underrepresentation. It was the scene with all the women. That one. I just felt that that was really tackily done. I yeah. thought that was just. But that was literally that was one shot out of it. I mean, it literally was yes. like a, it was like a three second shot out of the whole thing. So yes, um, yeah, we can yeah we can forgive. Yeah, yeah. the intentions were good, but it was just it was very handed, it was very clunky yeah. the way it was done. I I totally agree. But clumsy, yeah, clumsy. Yeah. But again, in that scene, you've also literally two minutes before you had Cap wielding about Thor's hammer, and you had you know like <laughs> that was great. That was great. Fucking hell, and that was such a great callback. You know, there was a lot of those moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much love and joy and glee and sadness. It was just—it was a proper roller coaster. It's—it was—it's it, everything that I guess a comic book film should be hoping to convey. 
Yeah. And, and it's and yes, sometimes it's silly, but yeah, it's a fucking comic book. It's, it's popcorn be. cinema. It's, I mean, and at heart, most popcorn cinema is kind of silly. You know, Jaws, the original blockbuster, is kind of silly at times. You know, they, yeah. You know, Total Recall, everyone loves Total Recall. It's ultimately stupid. You know, but yeah. that you have to but embrace. It transcends the stupid. Yeah, because. And then, but then, but then we can still accept that it's stupid too because we suspend our disbelief. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and, and totally. it's it's a well told story, and that's what was great about it. And, and like you said, it is it is a combination of something that's massive and epic, and the magic of pulling that off is something quite incredible. Yes. you know, they ought to be able to pull it off. Did a, they did a great job. Yeah, they did a really good job. Um, Infinity War will remain the the the, the, the zenith, I think. And yeah. that was and and the, what an ending for Infinity War. So yeah. they had, but you just know that you just knew watching that like, well, this is part of two, so yes. it's half time. And so we don't have the same impact. Like, what? Imagine if they just ended it with Infinity War. Uh-huh. It would be fucking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we, that's how we'd kill. I mean, that would be insane. Utterly insane, but brilliant in the same way. And yeah. and I think what is slightly I think they sold out in a little bit was that Avengers came out in like de- December, I think it was, and then Infinity War came out. Oh, sorry, Infinity War came out in de- like December, and then Endgame came out in like. Well, with May wasn't it come out? April, sorry, yeah. April came out. In. Yeah. So you only had like five months to wait. Whereas, yeah. see, if you had like a year of that, or like you know, eighteen months of like wait, like what the fuck's happening? That would have been insane to like do that. But I guess. Do you, you could yeah, really do man. Do, do you think? Do you think the fi- do you think the um, the box office figures would have been even bigger if they had waited longer, or do you think they would have lost? I think the. I think they went. I think. The casual audience would have not really stuck around for the five longer than five months. Don't reckon. Yeah, that's what they were thinking. Yeah, yeah. because you don't get to two point what nine billion or something, two point seven billion by the by the comic book geek audience going to see it. For that, you hit Captain Marvel numbers or Spider Man numbers yes. like one point three billion. Yeah, you're, you're doubling that, that, and, half of that. You know, so in order to double that, you need to get you need to have everyone. You have to have your dad to go and see it. You know, I don't know if he did go and see it or not, but. You have to interest everyone to go and see it, you know, and yeah. go and see it multiple times as well, you know, and that's yeah. that's a big difference, you know. So I think I think maybe the timing was pretty. I, I would like to see them extend it longer just to sort of see the chaos that ensued like yeah. a year. But Everyone's I've, minds get blown waiting for it. Yeah. How many times did you see it? Yeah, just once. Yeah, yeah. I felt it was a one and done. I I really watched it and I really enjoyed it. I think it came yeah. at a time when I was slightly busy. Um, so I did really yeah, yeah, you were busy getting wet. I was yes. married, then I was in uh, America and Canada for like three weeks after that, you know, so I was, I was pretty busy. So if I'd been at home, I think I probably would have seen it a couple of times, at least. Um, yeah. Cause I, I didn't see it again until it came out on Blu-ray, and I enjoyed it again on Blu-ray immensely. Um, but I would like to have seen, like, particularly the, the final hour again in the cinema. Yeah. Ho- hopefully I will. I've watched, I've watched the final hour um, with uh, my eldest Hunter several times, but I tried to watch the whole thing with him. And he he's six, obviously. Yeah. And he uh, it's good. It, it's a good um, barometer for what what that film represents because the first hour he was like, "Daddy, I'm so bored." Yeah. Bless him. He stuck it out, and I was like, "Yeah, I get it." There's there's good things in that first hour, and it has to be done. It's it's almost like a, a glacial novel that you're like, "God, this is awful," and then it's suddenly something happens and you know you, you're invested then but you have to have the backstory yeah they couldn't just ignore the events of infinity war no. but it means that it is a bit of a slog that first hour yeah it's a bit of an anti-climax which potentially is the intention yeah but that they really did um 
they had a lot of confidence in themselves. You know, going a whole hour with that. I think confidence themselves, and also they had belief in their audience. Yeah, yeah, totally. In the same way that Tarantino has belief in his audience to go with what he's doing, you know, he accepts that when he does this, the audience will go with him. And couldn't agree more. And filmmakers who that's really brave. Yeah. Even if this is box office, office, Jesus, box office um, filmmaking, uh, you have to admire the 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 staunch belief that this is still art. Uh You have to. You have to be swept along, and I'm not going to pander. So yeah. fair fucking play. I mean, you look at so many. Well, the um, one that came number two in the list is like um, Star Wars this year. It panders, you know. It sort of gives the audience what they want, yeah. rather than giving the audience what they kind of maybe don't really know they want until they see it. You know, yeah. and yeah. and that's no, that's the difference. That was going to really annoy me. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to delay watching it. Yeah, go and see it. Go and see what you think of it. Um, as if you could pick one film not on the list, what would it have been? Like, what would you like uh, to see on the list? One film that shouldn't be on that list. Or it should be on the list. It's on your list, but you, yeah, but you, you're gutted it's not on the actual top ten. Uh, uh, marriage Story. Yeah. Yeah. Good show. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Um, what was the one I saw that I was really liking? Oh, I just had it in my head a minute ago. Rocket Man might be one. I really enjoyed Rocket yeah, Man. Yeah, I Rocket Man. It was really good. Um, really good. I gave it quite yeah. high marks. I literally watched it like two days ago, so that's why it's really low on my list, but it still made top ten. Yeah, um, the favourite, probably the one I want to see on it, but didn't make it on. Shit, was the favourite this year? Yeah, right at the start of this year. It. Yeah, I saw it like four times in the cinema. Fuck, I thought it was last year. No, it was this oh. year. Right, well, that, that, I do this every year, don't I? Yeah. Fuck you now. Right, um, it was, it well, came the favourite would, would have absolutely been in my top ten. Yeah. yeah. It came out in, like, January, like, probably January 1st or January 7th of, like, of, of 2019, so it was a really early, early, um... I thought it was, I thought it was December. No, it, it, nah, oh, it, came, it came out early, man, because it's more because, um, it won all the Oscars this year, so it obviously came out in, like, America yeah, early. Yeah, that's what, that, does this every year to yeah. me, this? I'm a fucking idiot, right? Yeah. Okay. Amazing, um, no one put Green Book on their, on their list. The Oscar best picture of the Oscars, no one put that yeah, on their list. Well, it's almost like it was just a fucking <laughs> mediocre film pandering to the fucking inverted racism of the year before. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just a decent film. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. I'm. I have so much love for Ad Astra that I can't imagine anyone else for it. Someone did. Um, I think young, I think Barry and Colin both put that on the list. Good, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Um, what can you say there? Um, what about 2020? Anything of interest jumping out at you for 2020? Um, I, I really want to catch up on films that <laughs> I should have seen for 2019. Uh, I, want to, I really want to watch Knives Out. Uh, I, I know I'll love it. Um, I, can't, I need to watch Day Shall Come. I really fucking want to watch Parasite. That sounds amazing. It's out in twenty twenty, so that'll be next year. That'll be on, I hope that'll be next year's yeah. running. Yeah. Um, well, what, what else? You, you tell me. You're more of a guru. What else uh, I'm actually, I've actually not done that much investment looking into twenty twenty so far. I'm actually um, Jojo Rabbit's out on January first. So yeah, it's, that's it's, the one. That's the one. But I've seen some weird reviews of Jojo Rabbit. It's been five or one star. The Guardian absolutely. The Guardian one guy absolutely destroyed it. Yeah, and he's normally pretty good. Peter yeah. Bradshaw. I normally quite like him. Yeah, yeah he absolutely he, he ripped through it. Um, yeah. Is that right, thank you. Um, there's I'm sure there's, there's Marvel blockbusters and that kind of stuff coming out. I can't even think of the big blockbusters <coughs> are next year. To be honest, I think Quiet Place Two is coming out. June is June out next year. June's out next year. Um. For what it's worth, the Harley Quinn film looks interesting. 
Is it got Margot Robbie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robbie. She's in it. It's got it's a different director, different cast. Everybody left about it so looks totally different. So that actually looks interesting. Um, Call of the Wild is out, which is one of my favourite books, and it looks fucking terrible. Uh, it's got Harrison Ford with a lot of wolves. Right. That looks awful. Um, so it looks like they've absolutely bastardised that. Uh, is Venom the next Venom? No, so it's, it's, I think it, I think that's twenty twenty one. Is it? Yeah, Bill and Ted out. Bill and Ted's out. Yeah, Bill and Ted will be out next year. Did you see the? And I know we have mixed opinions of Christopher Nolan. When he's great, he's great. When he's not, he's, he disappears up his own ass. Did you see the? Not even the trailer. Did you see the poster for Christopher Nolan's new film? I've seen the poster for. T- I've not seen the trailer. I've seen the poster. Um, I. It is the most Christopher Nolan. It's like it's like somebody is just on right. We need a stereotypical Christopher Nolan parody poster yeah. it's almost like chris morris is doing a take the piss nolan poster it is so fucking inception jesus but i watched the trailer and it looked pretty good i have no idea what it's about no even from the trailer i'm intrigued like, i'm worried i like it when he reigns his stories in yeah when he gets bigger that's when he gets fucking lost so i'm a bit worried but, uh, a few years ago we raved and i i adored um Dunkirk. I, I, that's I, I, case in point. That's like when he went back to um, the Guy Pearce film, Memento. That's, yeah. It's still his best film, in my opinion. Um, I'm a huge fan of Prestige, but that's just me. I don't know why. Prestige is amazing. Yeah, yes, Prestige is great too. I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of that film. Um, but when he when he gets bigger, he, he, the the concepts get bigger, and is is uh, he needs an editor. He needs an editor. Yeah. Um, mm. There's a new Spielberg out next year. New Spielberg's out next year. You've got West Side Story oh. by Spielberg. It's out. Um, oh, shit! Wow. So Spielberg doing the musical. Wow. He's got. He has done it in the past. We had nineteen forty one a big musical number in, and he had the big musical number true, in yeah. the Temple of Doom. He had a big musical number in as well. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So he, he is. He is definitely a frustrated musical director. <laughs> <laughs> in, in his heart. Well, he's got the. Um, expertise to to choreograph it and yeah. shoot it such a uh, yeah I, I, I'm excited about that West Side I'm not a, I'm not a musical man as you know um, but West Side Story is for better or worse every song I know it yeah I grew up with a, a young sister so it was just on all the fucking time yeah. so um, I know all the songs so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that Spielberg yeah um, there's a new Sorkin film out next year as well um I think it's like the Chicago... Directorial direct or just written? I think both. Um, nice. I think it's the Chicago 9 or Chicago 8, it's called. It's all about the Chicago White Sox, I believe, and the sort of throwing of the baseball World Series, apparently. So it looks really interesting. Cool. Sorkin, isn't it? It'll be, it'll be good. It'll be Mom's good. Game. It was really good, I thought, but nobody else did. No, yeah, exactly. I really enjoyed it as well, but no one else gave a shit about it, but I really dug it. No! Um, <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah um, but looking closer to field, next week we have some interesting reviews. Um... Someone of the Three Bears team went and seen Cats, so we'll be talking about that oh, next week. yeah, I wonder who that was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what, what, what idiot amongst them sat in the cinema for a two, a nearly two hours watching, trying to figure out why Idris Elba has no cock. It, it, it'd be very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an amazing review. Yeah. I'm so, excited about that. <laughs> so, one of us, one of us done that. Um, also, Little Woman is out this now, so we'll be talking about Little Woman next week. Um, hopefully, we'll get to go and see The Gentleman, the new Guy Ritchie one, with uh, Hugh Grant and Matthew McConaughey. Sam and... Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, is that? No, he's in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, 
I mean, is he? Just... Is he not? Is Sam, I'm, I'm sure Sam Rockwell's in the gentleman. He sure could be in it. He could be in it. I know what's his name. The um, Sons of Anarchy boys in it as well. Um, yeah, I don't like him. Yeah, yeah Charlie, Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam. He he's in it as well, yeah. doing all Charlie Hunnam type things. Uh, and also, but I do like Guy Ritchie when he does London mob stuff. I like that. <laughs> When he does it right, he can do it. Like I'm a big fan of Snatch. I wasn't too big a fan of Lock Stop, but I really enjoyed Snatch. I like them both, but Snatch is by far the best. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so I'm intrigued to see if they can do something interesting with it. Um, and also Jojo Rabbit <coughs> is out next week as well, so we're looking forward to Jojo Ace. Rabbit. Yeah. Exactly. <coughs> Jojo Rabbit. So, Fuck you, the Guardian. Yeah. So next week could be a a range of between ends between one star and ten star films. I think. Um, the yes. way it's looking right now. <laughs> That's what we want. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, man. So thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure. I am sure we'll have you on next year for the top ten again. You seem to be the man who Hopefully. does the top ten. And then maybe eventually I'll understand the rules and look into it a bit more. So yeah. favourite <laughs> should definitely be in my top five. Well, so. I'm not going to mention the person's name, but someone did nominate eleven films because it's the only eleven film they'd seen this year. Um, and and, th- <laughs> and thankfully number eleven was Hellboy. So I'm like, oh god, you couldn't thank God I was not in any of them. Jesus. I mean, if that was your number ten film, I can't, I can't. It, it makes a mockery of everything if we put Hell, if we put your Hellboy a, a, a four. Which, as a man who loves all things Hellboy, that was a bad film. You know. Um, I need to see it just to to rebel in its badness. Oh, I don't, it's... I don't get how they got it that wrong. Yeah, they, they got it wrong. They got it I wrong. remember, I remember the amazing pod you guys did, and you were, you were lacerating with your scathing criticism of it. Yeah, and like I said, I'm a huge fan of Hellboy, so it's it, 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 it's stung. Oh, you were willing it to be good, and you thought it was that bad. So <laughs> that that bad yeah. It's <laughs> it's I it is I Frankenstein Van Helsing bad. That's how bad it is. Shit. Yeah, that's bad. Um, yeah, man. So that be that for next week. So, so this week I've been Richard. You've been. I've been Stu. And you'll be listening to Boom. <laughs>